Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Well, hello there, Penn State football fans. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones. Dave is wearing his number four TCU Horned Frogs shirt. If you can't see it and you're just listening, uh, TCU is on the climb. I think in the college football playoff rankings. Dave, how are you? I have a bunch of questions for you, but how you doing? Well, they're not number four. You know that, right? Oh, well, I thought they were. I think they're number seven. Oh, all right. Well, all right. So they're still doing really well, though, is my point. I thought they were number four. Are they any good? You know, I'm not going to pretend that I watch a lot of Big 12 football. Do you? No. Why would I? Well, because it's college football, you know? Well, they play on Saturdays, so... They are number seven, Bob. Oh, well, seven's my favorite number. They are bitching because of it. They're, they're not happy. I gotcha. You're, you're, you're too entombed in your Penn State mindset, buddy. That's, this is, I'm glad you just walked it back to Penn State. Dave Jones, Drew Aller, Sean Clifford, your thoughts. Go. I'm tired of the entire subject. I mean, I really, I'm, I'm, I just don't care anymore. If he wants to play him, he can play him. If he doesn't, he, if he doesn't play him considerable minutes, don't you think he could lose him? What are you thinking if you're Drew Aller at this point? I don't think James would ever get to that point, but. You mean the guy who lost Will Levis? Yeah, but that was kind of a different scenario. That was a little bit of a different scenario. Yeah, this is worse. <laughs> it is it is worse, but I do think that James is being – I'm sure that James is going to have uh, all his bases covered on this. But to your point, I think that you were going to see more of Drew Aller. I really do. I think you're going to see more of him. But I, I don't know that the sticking point has to be does he need to start the game. You know what I mean? Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm good with anything. I, but I just don't see any reason not to start him. Right. Uh, I don't see any reason not to play him early. Like play him a lot and play him early. What do you? The, the season's over. I mean, we are in November. They've got their two losses to the teams that are going to be fighting for the division and the league. Uh, you're playing second tier, other than arguably Maryland opponents, the rest of the season. What are you doing? You're, you're you, at, at this point in college football. You need to be playing your underclassmen who are prospects. And he's one of them. Uh, sure. If you don't, you're not serving your own program, right? So uh, none of these games matter from here on out. The players are going to treat them as if they don't matter if they're out the shoot. You know that. Because they're not going to they're going to start not playing in bowl games. And why should they? They're looking out for their, their own livelihoods, that of their families. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get injured in some game against Rutgers. So it, it only makes sense that the coaches treat it the same way. The the young players who have prospects for the future should be the ones to play, not only because it makes them happy, 
because I don't think any of the players would have any problem with that. Do you actually think Sean Clifford would have a problem with Drew Aller playing in this game or even starting it? If you were Sean Clifford, what kind of problem should you have with that? I'm not saying he he would or would not, but what kind of problem should you have with that? I mean, I, I do think that, uh, you know, as a four-time team captain and a guy that continually says how much he loves Penn State and he loves the experience, he should he should also have an eye toward Penn State football's future. So right. I do think the competitor probably doesn't like it, but I do think that he should understand, be understanding of where Penn State and where Sean Clifford is at this point in time in 2022. Absolutely agree with you. And it's Indiana. I mean, <laughs> in any other situation with this sort of game, with Penn State coming off a debilitating game against Ohio State, um, emotionally and physically probably shot at this point, this would be a dangerous game. But yeah. if you know anything about what's going on with Indiana, they've lost five in a row, uh, two of them to not good teams. I mean, they've lost to Rutgers and Nebraska in that group. Hey. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's fair. <laughs> that's not good. Now they have a quarterback. They, they, Tom Allen's thrown the the quarterback position up in the air because Connor Bezalak, the transfer from Missouri, is completely beat up. He's been sacked more times than any quarterback in the Big Ten, which is twenty three. In case you were wondering, the offensive line is a sieve. They're rebuilding the whole right side. They're going to change out both the guard and the tackle over there and I don't know that they're changing out to to better players it's a mess they lost their best weapon uh as far as the receivers and Cam Camper who ripped his ACL at Rutgers in the last game I mean this is this this program everyone in Bloomington is thinking about one thing and you know what that is right now right hoops that's right basketball season nobody is paying attention I thought I was gonna say happy hour or hoops but I went with hoops there's no reason not to play Aller and play him a lot right now because yeah. he's he, he's going to be – he should be safe. Indiana does not present really any threat defensively or offensively. This is a game, a great game to test him out. So I don't know what you're doing if you're not playing him and playing him a lot. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think starting him would make the most sense, but at least get him in the first half. Dave, I have to ask this question because I still think there's something to it. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. But after nine years being around James Franklin, don't you think there's some part of some part of this equation with Aller and Clifford is he does not like to be told what to do. He does not like to be told what to do. Show me a coach. Show me a coach who does. Yeah, but I think he, I think I think more than most. I think it really rankles him. All right. Well, you know, switch out him for Brett Bielema or Greg Schiano or Jim Harbaugh or any other hard ass football coach. Which one likes to be told by the media or fans what they should do? There aren't any and none of them do. The the better ones always ask them themselves the question, what's what's best for the program and, and the other players on the team? So I suppose. But that's just pigheadedness if that is that if that's it i don't i don't necessarily think he thought that or has thought that i i think he really thought clifford gave him the best chance to win certainly against ohio state he did he did yeah um, he he does make mistakes but can you imagine a kid in there who really 
doesn't know what he's doing yet. The, the point is you give that kid experience against the Northwesterns, which he could have done, and the Indiana now, which he can do. Uh, I'm not advocating that he plays that, that he should have played him against Michigan or Ohio State, although Jim Harbaugh did that with J.J. McCarthy in, in big games last year, and it is benefiting them now. So you could argue it that way, too. I'm not. But at this point, the season is shot. Let's not pretend anything else. This is this is time. It's time. I agree. So, Dave, I wanted to bring up another point uh, that's not necessarily related to the quarterbacks, but it's a fascinating story, I think, with Penn State this year. Um, there's a guy that I follow with regard to the NFL draft religiously because I really think of all the guys, he does the best job. He works the hardest at it. He just came out with his updated uh, top 50 players for the NFL draft. I know that's not really uh, up your alley, so to speak, but checking in at number five in the country is Olu Fashanu. I was going to say that. I, 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 I couldn't believe that it, he would be the guy. But, but, but when you said number five, I thought, nah. But I, 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 was, I was about to interrupt you and say, which I often do, and, yeah. and say, I... <laughs> I, I bet I know who you're talking about because he looks like a left tackle, doesn't he? And uh, he's playing like one. Yeah. Yeah. Only only 19, Dave. And I just think that they finally – so they finally get – they finally get a standout on their offensive line um, and at, at a key position, no less. He's, 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 he's obviously very good in all phases, but he's, he's pretty elite as a pass blocker. They actually had to move 44 – to the other side for him to turn get turned loose. If you notice, he did all his jam- damage on the right side of Penn State's offensive line. He started out on the left side and was not doing all that well. Uh, the guy that was the star of the game for Ohio State, but he's been that good, and he's only 19. And I think every all the signs point to him uh, probably being out of here after just three years. But I mean, they finally get a key piece on the offensive line, and they still really can't do much against Michigan. <laughs> Or Ohio State. Well, that got back to, uh, but, but you know what? It wasn't due to anything they did at scrimmage. You went back and watched the tape, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, they won scrimmage for a good part of that game, a large sector of that game on both sides. Uh, they had some, you know, even the fourth and two play, I, I went back and watched that. And if they don't miss one block, Sal Wormley misses one block, not only do they get that two yards with Singleton, who would not have been my pick to, to run that play from a tight tee, but he might score because Catron Allen made a great block, a great seal block. They had that whole edge sealed. And really, it was a, a blown-up play. Um, um, I'm trying to think. I guess it was Tyreek Williams, yeah, from, from Ohio State. I think that that's who it was who blew it up. And, I mean, he just overwhelmed Sal Wormley. And if if Wormley just stays in front of him, that could be not only a, a first down, which would have led to points they didn't get. I believe it was 14-13 Ohio State at that point. Correct. But they could have, they could have scored six on that play. Um, they, they are closer. Look, let's, let's allow for some optimism here. I did not expect them to play that well on both sides of scrimmage on on both lines. And I thought they played very well. 
Um, that was not the problem in this game. And as we've talked about, once in a while, explosions happen with Ohio State. You're not going to hold them. You're just not going to hold them back because they have so many explosive athletes. And, and even Travion Williams, who did nothing, the whole game was like a carbon copy of last year. Uh, last year, he had a 68-yarder. This year, he has a 59-yarder to, to bust the game open after doing basically nothing all game. We're not going to hold him back the whole time, but I thought Penn State played really well at scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Their problem was turnovers, and their problem was Sean Clifford making three of them, and they did have some problems. <laughs> you know, also what I saw is Bryce Effner was not that bad. He he did a pretty decent job on the Samoan kid, uh, 44, uh, yeah. for, for a lot of the game, but – the kid's just so athletic. He was he was rising up in the air, you know, like a like a whale breaching up in the air and batting passes. He was he is he is a problem. Was he on your list? Your guys' list? He was not. He was. I don't. I don't even know how. How old is that kid? Is he is he young? Is he is first or second year player? I don't. I don't know. He's a sophomore. He played last year. He just didn't play that much. He had he had nine tackles coming into the game. He had nine tackles altogether. That's the thing about Ohio State. It, you know, you're talking about Fashanu moving on, and what are, what are they going to do now? At Ohio State, they stockpile these guys. They, right. They've got – you're just bringing the next one. Oh, uh, Jackson Smith and got hurt. Oh, okay. Wheel, wheel, in, wheel in Harrison. Wheel, wheel in Julian Fleming. You know, that's the difference. They, they, they need uh, a much greater depth on the line and – but but you know all that said they they played very well at scrimmage I thought they did just to correct you Clifford actually had four turnovers not three so uh... <laughs> oh uh, what I meant was that uh, <laughs> what I meant was that Tuamalo caused three of them right. you know yeah he was yeah. he was That's a whirlwind in my head yeah. yeah it was a whirlwind there down the stretch oh, you're right it was uh it was like a great basketball run it was like the run that Duke. Had against Maryland that one year in the NCAA semifinals. I was there, two thousand one. Yeah, that's right. It was like it was it was like Duke was blowing him out, and the next thing you know, Maryland <laughs> or Maryland was well, Maryland was blowing Duke out. Maryland and Maryland was blowing him out. I think I think they were up fifteen at halftime or something, and then in Minneapolis, and then it was over. You know, it was over. That's the thing with explosive athletes, especially on offense, who could score, but. Given what we've seen now, you could consider us, as far as media, pretty good experts on what could happen in that Ohio State-Michigan game. So, so because because we've seen both up close. What do you think? What did you take away from this Ohio State game that that you would employ in a, an opinion of Ohio State-Michigan? Because it's it's pretty clear that's going to be undefeated against undefeated for the first time since 2006. Nobody's going to beat these guys. That was Chad Henney versus the eventual uh, Heisman Trophy winner, wasn't it, Troy? Troy, Troy Smith? Smith? That was a shootout. I think Michigan-Ohio State's going to be a shootout, too. Do you? Yeah, I do. Okay. As Woody would have said, come ahead, Bob. I, don't, I just think that you cannot slow down, especially at home. You're not going to slow down Ohio State's passing game for four quarters. What if it's bad weather? I, don't, I mean, they always play in bad weather. One year, Ohio State had 62 on them. When Michigan had a pretty good defense, I think that was 2018. So I just think that uh, the other thing, Dave, is, and I know you, you, 
you're, you don't really – I just think that the way that Michigan reacted after last year's game, uh, born on third base, all that, sh- all that stuff, uh, Ohio State, I think, has – the intangibles, I think, are on Ohio State's side this year. Are, I really do. Yeah. And, and I do think this will be a game where um, I think it's going to be tough for both teams to get stops. Um, I just think that it's going to be one of those games – um, even last year's game, as great as Michigan's defense was, and that defense that defense really hounded uh, the quarterback C.J. Stroud. I think Hutchinson had three sacks, and Ajabo had one, and they were in the backfield the whole game. I, I mean, they, I mean, they, they, were, they still gave up some points. Ohio, I mean, Michigan is going to run the ball on on Ohio State for sure, but I'm curious to see what the line's going to be. I think Ohio State's going to beat them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them by double digits. Okay, all right. I think it's going to be like forty-two thirty-one. That makes sense, but but I, I'm surprised at your your overcall because that's certainly an overcall. Well, the reason the reason I say that is you're talking about explosive athletes, and and they're all over the field in that game. You know what I mean? It could be, it could be five minutes of nothing happening, and then there could be three touchdowns and seven plays, <laughs> which so, we saw. Yeah, and I think that, that that lends itself to those kinds of games, which we saw. I think it's going to be a great. I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, it's going to be that's going to that crowd is going to be pretty revved up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that game. I hope it's a close game. I really do because I hope I'm not so sure that both teams don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So I, I hope it's a close game. And maybe they will be, especially based on the rankings. Especially if Michigan wins. Or if it's a close game and Ohio State wins, you got to put Michigan's going to be fifth now. I mean, what, what was really surprising about the rankings to me was Clemson at four. You what? What? You know, this it, it shows me that some of these people on that committee just don't don't. They're, they're looking at metrics. They're looking at at stuff that doesn't matter. I'm Clemson. Clemson's a disaster right now at quarterback, and any any team like that. Does not deserve to be there, but you know, if they go undefeated, they're going to take up a playoff spot, and that sucks because I am confident that Michigan would beat Clemson on on a on a aren't you on a on a neutral field this year? The way that Clemson's playing of late, yes, yeah, I, I, yeah. I am I am confident in that you don't. So you think there's no way they wouldn't go if they win the, if they go undefeated, Clemson? Oh right, they're they're already in position, man. That's that's what's goofy about it. You know, uh, they're fourth. Yeah, I, and and in that in that league, I mean, I don't even know who's going to beat them. I mean, I'd have to look. I don't know who has a chance to beat them. I think they still got to play. I think they still have to play Louisville. They have to go to Notre Dame this week, so that's the big shot. Louisville's playing well, but they get them at home. Miami sucks, and South Carolina. South Carolina's a rivalry, but they suck. I mean, that's that's what they have left. Then a a division title game against you know. God knows who, who's in that division. I don't know who's in the other division, Syracuse or something. It's a, it's a bad league. It's a bad league with good quarterbacks is what it is. And Clemson does not have a good quarterback. So I, I just wonder, I, I, I really hesitate to, to think that two teams out of the big 10 are going to go because of, because of that. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. 
anything else strike you about Ohio State? You see now, now that you've seen both Ohio State and Michigan, um, anything surprise you about either team? Yeah, that that they didn't get any push on the offensive line running at all. Yeah, well, they didn't run against Iowa either. Uh, yeah, crack me up when somebody. Uh, yeah, I know a former media member who has since he retired in Columbus kind of turned into a shameless homer. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to name the guy, but Come he's like waving, waving scarlet and gray flags and crap. And and one of his commenters said, and yeah, they haven't played anybody either. Well, you know, who did Ohio State play until they and, – and, right. and, and they called Michigan a one-dimensional team. Well, right now, what is Ohio State? They're a one-dimensional team. Uh, who, who was it? It was, it was uh, um, Izzard, I think, just blew up a play – where Ohio State's right guard was supposed to be, you know, terrific. I mean, they in, in the first three quarters, I went through, I think Henderson was, uh, uh, he had like 12 net yards. Yeah. Um, and all the, all the hitches and, and little swing passes, which are essentially running plays, they were negative yardage. They were in six of those, and they netted negative yards. To me, that is a factor against Michigan. If, if they can get Ohio State to second and nine, third and eight, I don't care what the weaponry is, they can start setting guys loose. And if somebody gets to Stroud, you saw in that Penn State game, and you said it yourself, you agreed with me, he didn't like it. He didn't like, he didn't like being crowded. He likes being back there in the easy chair and just flinging them around. And I don't care where you're playing. If you don't like being crowded and you like everything ideal as far as the conditions, you're going to have a problem. So that, I haven't even dealt with Michigan's offensive line, which is tremendous. It's as good as anything I've seen in this league in years and years. you got to go back to, I think Glenn Mason had a group in like 04. Remember those guys with all those great backs he had? And all they did was run the ball. These guys are as good as any offensive line I've seen in years in this league. And Penn State ran the ball in Ohio State. So to me, there is a threat in that game that Michigan could own scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I don't care where the game is. You can take the crowd out of the game if that's true. Yeah, two things I would look for. Uh, what, what happens if Ryan Day ever smartens up and decides to throw the ball on first down like a lot? What happens if that happens? And what if... What if the star wideout and his hamstring get healthy for Michigan? Well, they Michigan does does not have the weaponry that Ohio State does. Regardless, they just don't. How do you play pass defense against those receivers if if the guy from last year shows up healthy? Oh, you're are you talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yes. Yeah. Well, you said I thought I thought you said Michigan. I uh, you meant Ohio State. Yeah. No, no. What happens if Ohio State's best receiver yeah, yeah. gets over the hamstring injury? I think they're fine with the guys they have because they're all terrific. He he's he's a different kind of guy. I, I just I just wonder you wonder how they kind of watch that injury because he got hurt right away and then did they rush him back? You know how those yeah. things are. I mean, they linger and linger and linger if you try to come back too early. Um, he tried to come back, um, I think, against Iowa, and and I think he re-aggravated it. One catch for seven yards, yeah. Yeah, and, and now it could go on for weeks. So is he going to be in football shape? 
I mean, I don't see how he's going to be in football shape if, if it takes another two or three weeks for him to come back. Look, they're fine with the guys they have. Amika Ibuka, um, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison. <laughs> You'll take that trio. Uh, and they got other guys. I mean, the tight end ain't bad either. So I don't think that's a problem. I, I, I think, I think what, what you're saying, though, is, is a really valid point. If you're Ryan Day at this point, just cut them loose and start throwing on first down. And what's Michigan going to do about it? I, I don't know what they can do about it. it, it, it like I said, you got to get them to sixth, second and nine, third and eight, third and seven before you can really do anything about it. So maybe that's what the game distills to. It's Ohio State just fling it around on every down. And then when Michigan gets it, they try to shorten the game and run, 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 run. I don't know if Ohio State can do anything about that. So maybe maybe your over hits. What 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 do you project the uh, line to be? Like Ohio State minus six, minus seven? Uh, they'll be they'll be at least seven at home, and it'll be. I'd say that the, the total will probably start somewhere in the low to mid fifties. Really? Okay, so that's a definite overplay for you. It is. It is. I, you're right about the weather, Dave. I wanted before we. Uh, actually make a pick on Penn State, Indiana. You know what? I, one of the things that was a shame about Penn State's loss to Ohio State was um, that was one of the best games by a wide receiver. And I'm talking about Penn State's wide receiver, not Marvin Harrison, who's, who, was, who was Marvin Harrison's fantastic. But Parker Washington, all 5'9", 210 pounds of him, uh, plays a lot bigger, and he played a lot bigger against Ohio State. That game he had, boy, Dave, you you covered Penn State a long time. I've covered Penn State a long time. He's kind of a very unique receiver, you know. You know, in terms of his heights, he's he's like Dion Butler, but in terms of his build, you know, he's more like Chris Godwin. And you know, he just he is one of those guys that tracks the ball so well. Not so much on punts, but I just I just feel like it's a shame uh, we're gonna kind of, that's that performance is gonna kind of get lost uh, in, in 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 the final score. And a shame that he's had to play on, by and large, mediocre Penn State teams compared to compared to Deion Butler or Bobby Ingram or or Jahan Dotson. Yeah, you know, at least was around during the glory. Godwin, those guys got to play on some really good teams. But uh, where I'm, I was curious, I was thinking about this. Where do you see him? He was definitely a second day draft coming into this season. And probably still is because of his speed and size, but he could turn into a Wes Welker type receiver in the NFL, right? Because his hands are so yeah. good. Similar build, runs great routes, tough to get down in the open field, smart player, catches just about everything. Um, there's there's definitely a value. Uh, he's a complimentary piece, no question about it. But you put him in the right situation where uh in the NFL where defenses are gonna focus on a couple other guys to slow down, he's gonna really do well. I mean, I, is he is he is he definitely a third round pick? I don't. I'm not sure, but I do think though that he certainly the last two games has raised his level of play, and I just think that I he, he's you know he's played almost from day one at, at Penn State, Dave. That's a lot of football, three full years. I don't think he's missed any games. He might have missed one. I don't know that returning to Penn State would make a lot of sense for him. I think he will leave, and I do think he's going to play in the NFL. And I'll just – I think every team will look at him a little bit differently. But I think he is an NFL receiver who can actually help out on special teams. And, you know, I, I don't, if Chris Godwin can go in the third round, who knows where Parker Washington 
can go, but I do think he's an NFL receiver. And it's really, I think the, the last month of this season for as long as he wants to play, I think he's going to be really tough to stop. Yeah. I mean, in the old days, a guy that small and you said five, nine, he's not listed at five, nine, but that's what you think he is. Yeah. 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 A guy that small would have to go and, and not, not blazing fast would have to go over the middle and they just get obliterated with what you could do to receivers back then. That's why they couldn't play. But now they can. You would agree with that? that they're protected. They're, those, guys, those guys can play under the current rules, even in the NFL. I mean, New England's made a living off of these guys, just running them in and out of there, who aren't a hell of a lot bigger. Uh, but you think he's durable enough to play in the NFL. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, he's going to, I mean, he's going to take some shots. But, you know, if you play in the NFL, no matter how big you are, you got to be able to play – you know, as Parcells used to say, there's a difference between being injured and hurt. So he's gonna. There's gonna be some games where he seems like the kind of kid that'll play play through some things. But yeah, he can definitely play. And you just don't want to. You know, I don't know how much you're gonna ask him to block uh, in the run game. But <laughs> in passing situations, man, he's just really, really good at a lot of different things. And he made some incredible catches in that Ohio State game. I mean, it was really. Fun to watch him. I've enjoyed him. Uh, he caught a touchdown in his first game. It was at Indiana. You were at it. It was the he caught a pass in overtime for a touchdown. The overtime that shouldn't have happened. You mean that one? Yeah. He uh, he looked he looked comfortable right away, and that's what I'm always going to remember about Parker. That he didn't have an off season to get ready for his first year because of the the pandemic. But boy, he was ready to go from jump, and I think that there's something to be said for that. And I don't think. Uh, I don't think he I think he's an athlete who's never going to be scared for the next jump. And that's why I think he's going to succeed in the NFL. All right. I guess we better make the picks. Um, I what's the over under on this? Because it, it shouldn't be more than like 50, right? Yeah, it's I think it's like 50 and a half. I want to say, Dave, when I looked this morning. So don't don't take my score. I'm going to go under. I've got 40 uh, simply because I just think Penn State has no reason <laughs> to live right now a lot of those guys are they're shot emotionally and probably physically after that ohio state game and i'm gonna go 28 to 12 and indiana i just don't their their best weapon cam camper uh really was their only weapon i just don't know what they have i don't know how they can score 12 might be high for them do you have them uh getting a safety or do you have them going for two or what, I have what are a, we I have two field goals and then going for two and missing it? <laughs> you didn't think I had that figured out, did you? Uh I didn't actually. That was that was <laughs> good on you. I picked 33-13. I think we see the game a little bit similarly, and this is the question of the one thing I will say about Penn State is even though their their mindset isn't great, their depth, uh their second teamers and even some of their third teamers are better than their depth in years past. And I do think you could see the the backups maybe get 10 points on Indiana in the fourth quarter in the final six or seven minutes. That's why I picked a couple more points. And they want to play. They're the, they're the guys in this game who really want to play. Yeah, the, the, the both, both lines, both the secondary. I think Penn State's secondary can do some damage against. You mentioned the quarterback who's got nine interceptions. He ain't playing. It looked like, I don't know if Basilek's playing. They could be playing this when kid. He's throwing the ball, I think you're going to see some interceptions. Yeah, they could be playing a kid named Dexter Williams the second, who uh, really has, you know, Tom Allen's fishing around because he's already played Jack Tuttle. They could play any of three guys, but he's already thrown 
the job open. So that means Basilek probably isn't going to start. I would imagine Jack Tuttle, who you, you, we've seen before, I think, after. By the way, before we go, have you seen Michael Penix's stats out of Washington? <laughs> he's he's leading the nation in passing yards. Can you imagine? And, and here's here's Tom Allen mucking along with these guys. It's these ham and eggers. It's it's very sad. Do you think this is Tom's last year at Indiana, or do you think he'll be back? I asked Adam Rittenberg the same thing because I haven't really had time to pay attention to that contract or this that situation. He was sitting next to me the whole game against Ohio State, and he goes, "Nah, he's fine." So I'll trust Adam's word on that. He's yeah, especially the way he answers it like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't know what what are they going to do that's better. It's not like they have any big ideas at Indiana. And Tom Allen's a good guy, a good dude. Everyone seems to like him. They just they're not deep enough. And at this point in the season, this is when you want to play them. You don't want to play them in September. Uh, even Michigan had some problems with them. Um, you don't want to play them early. You want to play them now. Uh, by the way, are you going to make a trip out to the Four Winds Hotel and Resort while you're there? <laughs> See if you can drive into the lake down the boat ramp. Sweet memories of, <laughs> of almost dying in 2000. And I think it was 2003 or 2002. Yeah, it was the Larry Johnson game, wasn't it? Yes, that's when they painted the dirt green to make it look like grass. And, and Johnson could have had 500 in that game, but they took him out in the middle of the third quarter. I remember, I remember who called the game for ESPN. It was like ESPN four had the uh, had the game. It was it was Sean Salisbury and Mark Malone because I saw him like walking outside the stadium. Yeah, and you know, and you know how career, their careers have gone since then. Yeah, it was definitely Sean Salisbury. I think it was Mark Malone, but Sean Salisbury was at that game. Didn't Larry have three twenty seven in that game? He did. He did. And they pulled him. They pulled him with with plenty of time. He could have got 400. They they that was an ugly. Have you taken a look at the weather? Maybe the weather will be decent. I don't know. But that was an ugly day. It was about this time of year. I will. I will say this, Dave. If I'm out there and I run into John Mellencamp, I'll tell him you said hello. You 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 give him my best. He's, I know they've they've they, I believe they've redone uh, um, 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 Pink Houses or whatever that that name that that album is they've. They've remastered it. All right. You guys have a great trip. I'm not t- I'm not going on this one. And I don't Pretty think upset I'm about it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, enjoy. Enjoy Downingtown. And uh all that it, if the weather's gonna be good again this weekend in, t- in terms of temperature, so have a great time. Have a great weekend. Phillies, baby, Phillies. You know, all right. What what if what if we'll leave you with this? What if that one game where I wore my jacket to the press box. I wore a Phillies jacket to the press box. And oh, the whole beat knows about it, Dave. No one, no one would look at me in the press box, and then they lost 5-2. to two. What if they sweep the, the rest of the games, and the only game that they lose is the one that I wore my Phillies jacket? That would, that would be perfect. You're, you're, you're making a statement like it would be outlandish for that to happen. <laughs> That's exactly probably what's going to happen, and you know better. Brennan you still won't talk to me. Pickle wanted to take it out and burn it. Dave, don't (laughs) put the jacket on again and put it on like Facebook or anything. They're gonna they'll be hunting for you. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.